Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at Stan the Fan. Now sit back and enjoy the Bat Around. Guys, take it away. And welcome in to two hours of scintillating baseball talk. Stan the Fan here. Craig Heiss still on other assignments, yet he will join us today. Craig and I uh, talked yesterday, and he was actually due to make his return today as Phil Wood was uh, feeling good enough to do the Nats show on Masson, and uh, I think that will still take place. But Craig Heist ended up being rained out last night at Nats Park, uh, the Reds and the Nats in the second of a four-game series. <clears throat> so they're going to play, a, I uh, believe, a two-admission doubleheader today. And the first game is at 1 o'clock, and Craig needs to be down there. He will join us, though, at approximately 11.20 for his first visit with us in about five weeks. Uh, Steve Garland from Big Bats, the owner, is laid up uh, for another three or four weeks. So we're taking advantage of that. He uh, helps pay for the show, so we will have a special edition of the Bay Bridge Traffic Report from Big Bats. Um, Not from Big Bats, from the owner of Big Bats, Steve Garland. He's going to join us the next couple weeks at 1010 uh, to start things off. Uh, Our most famed and esteemed uh, colleague at Press Box is one Jim Henneman. Uh, Jim is going to join us today to talk a little bit about his view of the Orioles' uh, rebuild, uh, the real start of the rebuild over the last couple weeks. He'll also talk how um, while Jim Tomei and Vladimir Guerrero uh, only played for one season in Baltimore, um, the fact that they went into the Hall of Fame, uh, it seemed like a lot of people were talking a little bit about Baltimore uh, in their acceptance speeches at the Hall of Fame. We'll talk to Jim about the connections between this recent batch of Hall of Famers and the city of Baltimore. We'll talk with Jim Henneman. Then at 1045, the guy who is um, uh, up close and personal with the newest members of the Baltimore Orioles organization, I think he's got about five or six of them at Bowie, where he calls the games, the play-by-play voice of the Bowie Bay Sox. Adam Pohl returns, and he will join us today. We'll hear about Yusniel Diaz. Um, the number one prospect in the deal for Manny Machado. We'll hear about Dean Kremer, Zach Pop, uh, Ryland Bannon. Uh, he's, those are the first batch that he's got, and we'll find out who else he got from the uh, group of trades the Orioles made in the past two weeks. Uh, Matt Slatus, general manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds, is going to join us, and now I'm kicking myself. I did not bring in... Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, I'll have time to go get it. Uh, I have to I have to get uh, a sheet that I printed out for uh, Matt's 
guest appearance today. Matt's going to talk to us about a whole host of uh, things, why the attendance is so good, why the food is so good, and why the fans are so excited about Aberdeen Ironbirds baseball once again. Matt joins us at 11.05. At that time, Craig Heist is going to join us, and Craig will be with us for about 12, 13 minutes, and that will give way to Todd Karpovich. And if you haven't noticed, Todd has taken over for our friend Rich Dubroff. Rich uh, had a unique opportunity to come his way, and Rich is now the main content provider for BaltimoreBaseball.com. He will not be joining us on a regular basis. We hope to have Rich on with us about once a month. But uh, Todd Karpovich is taking his seat for the remainder of the year, and we'll see how that plays out for the future. But Todd, a really solid uh, writer around these parts, and uh, we're happy to have him available to us today and for the remainder of the season for all our PressBoxOnline.com readers. So there you have the lineup today. Uh, The Orioles, what can you say about the Orioles? Uh, they have gotten absolutely slaughtered the last couple nights. What was the score, Britt, on uh, Thursday night, the first game there? Was that? Was that when we got blown out of the water? Yeah, well, last night was 11-3, to but that was mild compared to uh, Thursday what night. What it's been. Yeah, Thursday night was just horrendous. I think it was 18-something or 20 to something. I forgot yeah, the score. Yeah, I saw the 18-1 to score, and I stopped following yeah, it. Danny Valencia ended up coming in that game and actually struck out Joey Gallo in the game. So uh, these last two uh, certainly not memorable performances especially by the starting pitchers. Um, Andrew Kashner, who had actually pitched pretty well his last eight or nine starts, it all came apart for him on Thursday night. And I think in two and a third innings or two and two-thirds innings, I think he gave up seven hits, three walks, ten earned runs. Uh, He was just absolutely awful, his worst performance of the year by far. And then in what's an unsettling trend, uh, for a young team that's looking to find some pitching amongst their uh, minor leaguers, the guy who came up and showed such promise for his first three or four starts, David Hess, got a, a starting opportunity, his first one in about a month, I think, for the team, and it was more of the same. Got through the batting order one time around fairly well, and then in the uh, fourth inning, uh, it kind of all fell apart. And the next thing you know, after Donnie Hart gave up a grand slam home run to Roofnet Odor. Um, it was eight to nothing, and uh, David Hess had been charged with seven seven runs, six earned. The one unearned was the error by Tim Beckham. But when you recreate the inning, that's the only one of those runs that uh, was unearned. It seemed uh, it seemed like he threw 30, 35 pitches. David Hess before he retired the first batter in that fourth inning. It was just brutal, uh, brutal. And what's got to concern you about uh, David Hess is as nice a kid as he is, he looks to be – he reminds me, it's funny, he's got a little bit more zip on the ball than Tyler Wilson. But, boy, the end results seem to be kind of similar. But yet I went back last night, and David Hess has given up 13 home runs in uh, just 53 innings, including the two last night. Um, just a terrible record. When you have a, a pitcher that gives up, a starting pitcher that gives up one home run every four and a third innings, 
Um, and he's had a couple decent performances early on, but then the home runs really started to come. I mean, I'd say out of those 53 innings, I'd say you can probably take nine or ten of those innings and probably two of the home runs and pare it back down to 40 innings has been the body of his work with about 11 home runs. So, I mean, he's giving up, um, you know, one every four innings. And in some cases, I think when you look at the full body of his work, it's more like it's more like two every five innings. Um, it's just it's, – it's unsettling. Uh, David has looked less and less – like an answer and more part of the problem for the Baltimore Orioles. But uh, they will go at it tonight, game uh, three of a four-game series, and they will send Dylan Bundy to the hill. Bundy a little bit better last time out, but he has really struggled uh, since the Atlanta start. And at Atlanta start, you'd like to think you were talking about something that was uh, just – Two weeks ago, it's now been uh, well over a month. It's been more like six weeks since he injured his ankle running the bases on Saturday, the 23rd of June. Uh, it's now been five, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. It's been six weeks today since he hurt himself. Uh, and he, you know, his problems uh, started after tweaking that ankle in that ball game as a base runner. And again, uh, I think Major League Baseball, and this is not an excuse for Dylan Bundy, when you have such trouble, uh, when you have such an amount of trouble putting solid pitchers out on the mound, and this is all throughout the game of baseball, and those pitchers have a hard enough time navigating, you know, 115 pitch uh, outings. Uh, every fifth day from from arm problems and elbow problems and shoulder problems to have a pitcher um, miss time and then get totally off guard based on a base running uh, problem is really kind of sad to watch and uh, speaks to uh, the need for the industry of baseball to get behind once and for all making the DH uh, active in both leagues, the American and the National League. But anyway, Bundy will pitch against Mike Miner tonight. Uh, Miner was acquired as a free agent by the Texas Rangers. He's given them some solid work this year as a starting pitcher. Uh, Mike was a... uh, one heck of a pitching prospect for the Atlanta Braves at one time, and then has um, uh, had multiple arm injuries and ended up being a um, relief pitcher last year on the comeback trail for the Kansas City Royals. And general manager Drayton Moore there um, ended up finding a real winner uh, in a one-year contract, and um, he pitched well enough that the Texas Rangers – Sought him uh, during the offseason, signed him to a three-year deal for, I believe, like 21 or $24 million. But their idea was not to have him as a relief pitcher, but to reestablish him as a starting pitcher. I thought it was a, a weak idea um, for someone so injury-prone, but he's made it through uh, the first 20 weeks of this season and it looks like he will um, remain in that rotation. Then tomorrow... Uh, we will get Jeffrey Rod- Ramirez um, for the Baltimore Orioles. 
This is Jeffrey Ramirez. Yeah, Jeffrey Ramirez. Rodriguez and Ramirez. I keep forgetting which one is which. He will pitch for the Baltimore Orioles, and he will go against Martin Perez, uh, the left-hander who um, is showing some signs of being back as a reasonable alternative for that Texas Rangers uh, starting rotation. A rotation, I might add, that uh, is Sons. Um, Cole Hamels, who was traded to the Chicago Cubs a week ago, and Hamels um, came on his one start for them, gave them a, a good appearance uh, and a win for the Chicago Cubs. Anyway, uh, we are ready to, to make our connection with uh, Steve Garland, who is still home resting and rehabbing his uh, knee replacement. Steve, how's it going right now? Steve? Are you there? Hello, Steve. Hello, Steve. All right. We will try and make our connection. Uh, if you have to, you may have to call somebody. There's got to be a button that is not pushed right or something. Anyway, um, we will be um, back with Steve Garland hopefully in just a minute. Was he not there? He was eating breakfast. He bought 1025. Who? Steve Garland? Uh, okay. All right. Um, that, that throws me off again. Uh, you playing all week long. Steve Garland is, are, are you calling Jim Henneman now? Okay. If he can't do it, we'll just have him next week. Just book him for next week. Um, all right. Um, the bat around continues. Jim Henneman will join us at 1025. Adam Pohl will be at uh, 1045. Matt Slatus, 1105. Craig Heist, 1120. Todd Karpovich, 1135 this morning on the show. The Orioles, by the way, finish up the, uh, the series in Texas uh, with that afternoon game tomorrow. And uh, they will have the day off on Monday. They'll go return to Tampa for the uh, next to last time. They still got two trips to Tampa: uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And then they will be uh, in visiting Tampa again on September seventh, eighth, and ninth. And uh, that's the way uh, the schedule, the cookie crumbles. Um, the Boston Red Sox will return to Baltimore for their last visit of the year uh, next Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then the Orioles will have the, um, the rather hapless New York Mets, and for an Oriole fan to call them hapless, okay, um, we will uh, plod on without Mr. Garland. Uh, Jim Henneman will join us in about 10 minutes, uh, but the Orioles will have the Boston Red Sox and New York Mets for a brief five-game series. Uh, they'll then travel to Cleveland and Toronto, which I'm sure is not going to be a picnic for the Birds, uh, before returning home for a six-game series against New York Yankees and Toronto Blue Jays um, as we make our way through the month of August. Uh, the Orioles um, have gotten the benefit of a couple young pitchers that they picked up in this bevy of trades that uh, Dan Duquette has made. They picked up they picked up um, Clay Car Cody Carroll in the trade with the New York Yankees for Zach Britton. Of course, Dylan Tate and left-hander Josh Rogers were part of that trade. Tate is still at Double A with the Bowie Bay Sox. 
Josh Rogers has pitched and made a little bit of an impact at Triple A um, for the Orioles, but uh, Cody Carroll it was the highest. Um, he was pitching at the highest level of the New York Yankees minor league system. He's come in and pitched a couple innings for the Orioles, one inning at a time, in two consecutive, uh, two out of three games, and he's done well, two shutout innings. But last night we saw one of the members of the return for um, Kevin Gosman and Darren O'Day, Evan Phillip, came in and pitched for the Baltimore Orioles. He had been pitching this season for Gwinnett, the AAA farm club, of the Atlanta Braves, and Evan Phillip came in last night and pitched two really solid innings last night. And in fact, last night, the Orioles got some good work out of the bullpen until Mike Wright came in. Um, Evan Phillip really did a solid job for the Orioles last night. And then Mike Wright came in, and Mike Wright has been pitching some really terrific baseball for the Orioles. And... Let me see if I can find him. Mike Wright. Mike Wright. All right. Bear with me, folks. Mike Wright Orioles. Trying to look at exactly how well he is pitched. Wright, who um, more or less uh, has kind of crapped out, kind of crapped out as a starter, which so often has happened with some of the Orioles' supposed best young pitchers. Game log pitching 2018. Here we go. This is what I'm looking for. Um. Mike Wright, until last night, well, until the last two appearances, in an inning and a third, Mike has let up four runs over his last two appearances. But prior to that, dating back to June the 22nd, Mike had been in three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve games and allowed only three runs. Over the course of 7, 8, 10, 14, 17, 18, 19, about over 20 innings. He had only allowed three earned runs. And uh, I'm not saying the Orioles would not have traded Brad Brock uh, because Brad Brock was clearly not going to be on their wish list for the offseason. And Brad Brock will command upwards of six. Six to eight million dollars a year, probably on a two-year deal next year uh, for next year's season. But Mike Wright will probably make about nine hundred thousand, eight hundred fifty thousand next year. Uh, Mike Wright seems to have moved in to a trust factor with manager Buck Showalter, and we're gonna we're gonna kind of give him a little bit of a pass uh, on last night's performance. Um, why are we giving him a pass? just because after watching him pitch the previous 20-plus innings and only allow, allow three runs, I'm not going to slip the, the tail on him 
or the hook on him that he's regressing to the mean. I'm going to say that he had a bad outing, and that happens once in a while. Um, and last night, uh, again, a walk, a hit-by-pitch really set things up uh, in motion uh, where he gave up three runs and let that game really get you know, let the Texas Rangers in the bottom of the eighth inning last night score uh, three important um, insurance runs. The Orioles had closed from 8 nothing behind to 8-3 to uh, and, in fact, tried to score the fourth run in the top of the eighth inning, and that was a big turnaround. Uh, I thought Bobby Dickerson erred on the side of being aggressive Um he had been successful earlier in the game when the Orioles scored their third run uh, on a Chris Davis double to left, left center field. Um, Mark Trumbo was just turning around third base chugging, and I do use the word chugging um, uh, with uh, great affection. Uh, he is not a particularly fast base runner and uh, just barely beat the uh, cutoff throw from shortstop Elvis Andrus. Uh, but in the case of uh, Trey Mancini in the top of the eighth inning, um, the the ball was just getting into the infield as Mancini was rounding third, and they uh, gunned him down at the plate. Uh, and you can't call it a big play, but it would have made the score eight to four with a base runner on base. Um, uh, I think there would have been one or two more. There would have been one more base runner on base. Uh, but uh, the Orioles, uh, uh, Bobby Dickerson, third base coach, made a calculated gamble there, and it was not successful uh, as he um, as he uh, sent Trey Mancini. And Mancini, who made it closer than it really should have been by taking a sort of a roundabout path toward home plate, Thought he could get his hand in, but the catcher had the ball so far in advance of Mancini that uh, he was able to reach over and tag his hand before it got into the base. A um, couple things I uh, wanted to talk about before we're joined by Jim Henneman, and we'll talk with Adam Pohl about this. They showed a great picture on Masson last night of um, of the Bowie Bay Sox celebrating Navy night last night. They had the class of 2022. So I guess those are the midshipmen that are just coming in right now. Uh, they had a night for them at the Bowie Bay Sox last night, and it was uh, – I don't know what the attendance would have been without them last night, but it made for a great picture, and we'll uh, talk to Adam Pohl about that. So I wanted to give kudos to the Bowie Bay Sox. And got to give – uh, kudos to Adam Jones, the Orioles' longtime center fielder. Uh, Adam uh, got out on social media yesterday that Jonesy uh, made a really nice donation. Uh, the Mamie Johnson team, uh, uh, mostly African-American Little League baseball team in Washington, needed money to travel to Williamsport, Pennsylvania for the uh, baseball Little League Baseball World Series. And Adam Jones heard about it immediately uh, contacted the people and popped the check off for $8,500. Yep, he makes $15 million a year, but uh, this was above and beyond the call of duty, uh, and Adam Jones is to be saluted for that. Uh, and it's one of the reasons the ball club is facing a very, very difficult decision when it comes to Adam Jones. For a club that has 
for promotional PR feel-good reasons re-embraced two of their own, Brooks Robinson and Eddie Murray, over the last month. Um, it's going to be kind of odd, and it's going to send a mixed message if Adam Jones is not welcome back in an Oriole uniform uh, next year. We will see how that plays out. Dan Duquette, not talking nasty or anything, but Dan, who is not the most graceful speaker uh, in the world, and that's a little like the pot calling the kettle black for me to uh, reference it that way. But um, somewhere in in uh, Adam in in his discussion of Adam Jones could have been a sentence that says, you know, we are well aware of how special a player Adam Jones is in the history of the Baltimore Orioles. But no, it was just simply um, when asked the question uh, about Adam and whether he'll be with the team, uh, Dan kind of succinctly said, well, he's going to be with the team after the trading deadline, meaning that he turned down the um, – uh, the to waive his uh, opportunity to be traded to the Phillies or the Indians. I think it was the Phillies who had a deal in place for him. Um, he turned that down, and then Dan was asked the further question, well, will he be with the team next year? And he goes, I don't know about that. He goes, uh, we're clearly moving to young toward younger players. And again, there's a way to say the exact same thing but acknowledge what a special player he is. Fans like to hear that. It's important to them. That's why in social media, the, um, the signing of Brooks Robinson to a new contract with the Baltimore Orioles was incredibly special to the fan base. Uh, the, the signing of Eddie Murray to a new contract with the Baltimore Orioles, very popular uh, if you read social media. And the Orioles somehow... There's a little bit of a disconnect uh, because the person's giving the message. Number one, not only do we not know whether he's part of the future of the team, but he's not that uh, adept at touching the right tone with Oriole fans. And I think that tone is an important uh, textural problem right now with the Baltimore Orioles. All right, we're now making... We're having a trouble making connections with Jim Henneman. All right. Anyway, we are going to take our first time out of the morning. Um, this is the bat around. Stan the fan, and uh, we will be back right after these words. Your Aberdeen Ironbirds take the field as the star-spangled banners of Aberdeen versus the Staten Island Yankees this Sunday, August 5th at 4.05 p.m. U.S. Olympian Kimmy Meisner makes an appearance at Lido's Field at Ripken Stadium and witness baseball's first-ever ice performance live at the ballpark. Tickets starting as low as $5. Visit AberdeenIronbirds.com. It's Toyota's National Clearance Event at Jerry's. The absolute best time to buy a new Jerry's Toyota. Right now, Jerry's has new Toyota RAV4s with 0% financing available or 3000 cash back. New Toyota Camrys from $149 a month at Jerry's or $1,000 cash back. Plus, every new Toyota comes with Jerry's exclusive extended service care. Visit Jerry's Toyota on Bel Air Road or visit jerrystoyota.com and unlock your special price. Special financing and lease with approved credit cash back from Toyota. August 27th. Score big at the Green Turtle with our legendary crab dip, juicy burgers, or any of our delicious boardwalk iced teas and lemonades. Bring the whole team and celebrate your latest win in our rent 
free party room. Need to raise money for your sports league or team? Our Funds for Friends program has raised over $1 million for local sports organizations. Everyone is a winner at the Turtle. Visit thegreenturtle.com to find your local turtle. Our buddy Steve at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square has sweetened the menu with the Summer of Peach, featuring a chili and delicious white peach tea lemonade that combines tea and lemonade with fresh white peaches. Many of us were already mixing tea and lemonade, while Chick-fil-A added the extra twist of an essential summer taste, peach. Visit the official Glen Clark Radio Chick-fil-A store on Campbell Boulevard in Nottingham Square. Are you looking for a great deal? Maybe you need that perfect, affordable outfit or clothes for growing kids. Or maybe you're looking for that hard-to-find collectible. Visit Goodwill today. Shop with a mission and find everyday low prices on thousands of items, including brand-name clothing, stylish accessories, shoes, and furniture. Come to Goodwill and see what you can find. When you shop at Goodwill, when you donate to Goodwill, you will help someone find a job. To find a store near you, visit givetogoodwill.org. Hi, it's Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer from Glenn Clark Radio. We're going to be talking a lot of Lamar Jackson on our show, but I want to make a promise right now. For those of you that tune in to Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday from 10 to noon, we will talk about something unrelated to Lamar Jackson for at least 30 solid seconds every day. Kyle, I thought maybe we should give people an idea of some of the topics that we might discuss other than Lamar Jackson. For example, we might talk about Chick-fil-A sauce. Aliens. The television program Detroiters. Jesus stealing pizza. All these things are options for... For 30 solid seconds, and then we'll go right back to Lamar Jackson. GlennClarkRadio.com, PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, and watch the show Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. The latest edition of PressBox is available now, and it's a very special double issue celebrating Ray Lewis's journey to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We spoke to the friends, family members, and former teammates and coaches who knew him best to tell the story of the path to his induction into Canton this summer. PressBox is available for free at over 500 locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, which includes all 52 interviews with those closest to Ray at PressBoxOnline.com. All right, stand the fan on the bat around, and uh, apologies uh, to uh, Jim Henneman. We had a uh, faux pas, which uh, seems to happen to me all the time whenever Jim Henneman is due to be on the show. It's really unbelievable. I wrote down Jim's number for both Steve Garland and Jim Henneman. So when Brittany checked with Jim Henneman at 10 of... 10 to make sure he was good for 1025 there was a confusion so she thought she was talking to steve garland or whatever it, it's a it's a mess and i apologize to jim henneman steve garland joins us now from big bats steve how are you not bad stan sorry about that mix-up you had today well it had nothing to do with you for some reason <laughs> uh i wrote down your phone number as jim henneman's cell number and Jim got confused as to when we were asking him to be on. So uh, it's not really that hard to do to run a radio show, but I managed to screw it up. Hey, it's still a minor problem in life. Yep, it really is, except that it would be if I, if I scheduled you three times over three months and something like that happened each time, you'd be pretty aggravated. So Yeah, that could get a little rough. Yeah. You'll get through it. All right. We will get through it. Uh, Steve Garland, so uh, first of all, how's the knee replacement coming along in uh, week two and a half? 
Hey, it's doing uh, pretty good today. I actually uh, got dressed like it's a normal day, and I'm pretending like it's a normal day, even though I'm hobbling around. But it's definitely getting better every day, and uh, I'm looking forward to the completion so I can uh, start acting a little bit crazy and running around a little bit more. All right, that sounds good. How is the uh, management of Big Bats working without you there on a daily basis? It's going well. Everything seems to be good. The numbers are well, and... Uh, of course, I'm just a phone call away. I get a phone call two or three a day, and I call up there once in a while. So it's, it's going well. All right. That's great to hear. That's great to hear. Steve, so we're now a week past uh, uh, the initial bevy of trades, and uh, the Orioles uh, ended up, I thought it was kind of surprising at the end of the day that they moved as quickly as they did. Dan Duquette, uh, who seems more and more like like. The, he, he feels he's going to be the man in charge. Uh, he compared it to sort of rehabbing a house and said uh, sometimes it's better to just tear the whole house down uh, rather than going room by room, and that's what he compared the trades of Jonathan Scope and Kevin Gosman to. Well, yeah, that, that's his opinion. It, it, it might be the, the right decision to make. I know you and I talked, and we thought that uh, Gosman and uh, – Scope should have been part of the building blocks for the rebuild, but uh, I guess they thought it was important to uh, get a couple picks for these guys and and increase that trade to about fifteen players total. So, uh, well, I think know. I think as the two week uh, trading frenzy evolved, it became apparent that they they were as much about, and this is not meant as a knock. Uh, if you if you have somebody running the team, uh, owning the team, who's got pretty deep pockets and gets the payroll up to $160 million, and then they shave $20 million off of it this year to start the year at around 140 and then you suddenly see what attendance has been like and what, most importantly, what the win-loss record is on the field. I think you st- suddenly come up with the notion of, hey, we can be pretty bad at seventy-five or eighty million dollars in two thousand nineteen, and really set this thing, this rebuild in motion, rather than sort of faking it and be at one hundred one hundred and forty-five next year. Yeah, I know, but that's kind of looking at the cup as half empty instead of half full. So, well, but I, but in fairness, when your team is thirty thirty-two and seventy-eight, it's it's kind of you. You are what you are. The record says what you are. I guess. I guess in one aspect, you could look at it as, as you own a car and you keep fixing a piece here, fix here, and eventually you say, you know, I'm tired of fixing this piece. Let's just go ahead and, and get rid of the car and start over and get a new car. So yeah, that, that's that's a way to look at it too. Yeah, it's called throwing good money after bad. I think. Yes. Um, it's interesting. I thought I thought the keys to the Atlanta trade where we gave up Gosman and really didn't get back any stud player that said this is an equal thing. You know, it was, it was interesting when you're following it on XM radio that day, which is how I was following it, and they mentioned that Gosman's going to Atlanta, but they didn't have the return right away. I was, I was, that was very curious to me, and then I found out that maybe the biggest return we got was – Two pronged the the fact that they took Darren O'Day and thirteen more million dollars off of our books 
and they gave us a $2.5 million signing slot internationally, uh, those really were the reasons. I don't think the players we got in the Gosman-O'Day deal really are that significant. I think that was probably one of the better trades because I think O'Day was going to be uh, uh, a little problem over the rest of his contract because I just don't think he's going to be healthy. He just seems to last a week or two, and then he's got another problem. So uh, Yeah, it turned out to be, you know, as much as the Chris Davis contract is going to be maligned, we've gotten very little out of the $32 million for Darren O'Day. Save the the first year of the four-year contract, he was still pretty good. But now, the last two, he's been he's been missing in action most of the time. Well, the, the other good thing that you brought up is the international money that we got. Because as we all, everybody knows, the Orioles have always traded that away or gave it away or used it in bargain, never you know got involved in that. So maybe we have a turn in management's decision that we're going to get more involved in that. And, uh, and that can be exciting too. Well, the interesting thing, and I think a lot of fans don't understand that, that that money is not, it's not real money. In other words, the Atlanta Braves did not cut a check to the Baltimore Orioles for two and a half million dollars, but they did trade a, and I won't call it an imaginary slot because it is real money it gave the Orioles the right to spend an additional $2.5 million of their own on signing international players. Uh, we don't know the price tag on this kid uh, that they signed yesterday, but they signed a 16-year-old out of Latin America, Moises uh, Ramirez. And, uh, you know, that's a guy you're – it's like a lottery ticket for 2023 or something like that. That's correct. Yeah, like I said, it isn't. Like I said, it isn't real money from the team, but everybody has the right to have so much money to spend. So we took some of those. So it's a pretty significant amount. Yeah. We, and we actually, when you, you took the two and a half million we got in that transaction and add the 250,000 that we got from Brad Brock, we got $2.75 million of international money slot, uh, slot money, uh, that the Orioles, uh, apparently really intend to use to, uh, to start to uh, build some depth in this organization. It's something that the Orioles have abdicated over the last, you know, five to seven years, and it's one of the ways, frankly, uh, that's, that's it's really up. It's not up to what position you finish in. It's up to you having the scouts uh, out there, n- meeting families, finding out who the talents are, getting connections built, and the Orioles have done a very poor job at that because they just didn't prioritize it. Stan, how, how, how long has this international money been in the system in Major League Baseball? I think it's been around about the last eight to eight, about eight years. I think it came about after some of the initial Cuban players were signed, um, you know, where, where it, it seemed that they needed to set – set up some type of standard that didn't allow for the the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Dodgers to sign all the good players. I think it was a competitive balance attempt by Major League Baseball. But I can't okay. pinpoint the exact year it started. But you, if you follow my line of thinking, it would be easy for the Yankees, Red Sox, and Dodgers to just go sign all the, all the kids. Right. And that it makes sense. So it's kind of 
of the first time Major League Baseball put a cap on something. Yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> and, I, and I think overall, that's really what it is. It serves as a, it is, it's a salary cap uh, yeah. to, to uh, sort of put everybody on an equal playing field. But uh, that old expression, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink, uh, is true there. The Orioles have had that money in the last five, six years under Dan Duquette. They've signed very few. I think they spent about $400,000 in uh, international bonus money in the last year. They may have topped that even yesterday with the signing of this kid. I'll bet they, si- I'll bet, I'll bet they signed him for at least $250,000. Yeah. would be interesting if you look over the last eight years and, and look at players that are playing in the major leagues now that quite, that qualified in that system that were purchased under the international money. Well, I'll give you a, a, a prime example. The Boston Red Sox are not sitting with Chris Sale without including the Red Sox, you know, number one uh, international signing. Remember about four years ago, the Red Sox signed two Cuban players, a guy named Rusny Castillo, who was like a, a 24 25-year-old veteran, I think they gave him, I, I cannot remember the amount of money, but it was a, a huge sum of money. They signed him, and he's still at AAA in Pawtucket. He's now about 28 or 29 years of age. It's pretty clear he's never really going to make it in the majors, but they would not have Chris Sale without the other guy they signed, which was Yoan Mancata who was their number one signing there, and I forgot the amount of money they gave him originally, but uh, that, you know, and and more to the point, look at the um, Los Angeles Dodgers signed the kid that the Orioles just acquired, Yusniel Diaz. They signed mm-hmm. him for $15.5 million was the signing bonus the Orioles gave up for Diaz, excuse me, that the um, – that the Dodgers gave up for him, uh, signed him for $15.5 million. Then, because they went over their allotment of money, they were penalized an additional $15 million for that one signing took them over. So they really have $30 million invested in the Oriole outfielder that, that they put up. That's one of the reasons when the Orioles wanted another top prospect in the deal the Dodgers sort of stood their ground and said, guys, we're giving you a player. You wanted this player. We're giving him to you. We've got $30 million invested in this guy. Uh, that's one of the reasons we didn't get their number three or four prospect, you know, somebody uh, much higher than the guys we ended up getting in the next round of that trade. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, this is kind of off the subject since you uh, talked about the Dodgers in that trade. It's kind of interesting when you, of course, with the bad knee, I'm watching uh, MLB Network all the time. And it seems like they don't promote the Dodgers where they don't say Manny Machada and the Dodgers take on so-and-so tonight at 8 o'clock. Right. And it just seems kind of odd that he's, he's their player now and there isn't somebody else that's a little bit disappointed that, that he's all of a sudden the player on the Dodgers, you know what I mean? Yeah, I I hear you. I hear you. Uh, it's been interesting though to watch. Um, Jonathan Scope has now played in three games with the Milwaukee Brewers. Does not have a hit yet in about thirteen at bats, 
And Machado came up in the, I think, the eighth inning last night in a game that they were going to lose. And it was announced he's hitting about 175 for the Dodgers so far. Yeah, I think think, uh, it's not, you know, you know, everybody, like the old story as we grow up, it's always greener on the other side of the hill. But, uh, you know, you know, I don't know. All but, right, before, uh, before, before we let you go, Mr. Garland, tell us what is the, um, what are you hearing the traffic is like going across that Bay Bridge? I just talked to somebody just a little while ago before you called, and the traffic is moderate right now. It's a little bit heavy going eastbound. Uh, westbound's not too bad yet, but that'll pick up Christ around lunchtime. It gets a little bit crazy here on Ken Island. Everybody wants to drive on every road to try to get to the bridge. So, uh, Hopefully that doesn't happen any sooner than it has to. But is the, the weather weather forecast pretty good for the next couple of days? Yes. Yeah, I think we got some a lot of rain last night, and uh, but uh, it's perfect, clear, blue skies over here right now. A few clouds. That's supposed to even get nicer tomorrow. So I think uh, some normal weather for the next couple of days. All right. Really appreciate your being on with us. Uh, we will chat with you next week. All right. Hey, Stan, take it easy. Have a great weekend. All right. Thank you. That's talk to Steve, you later, bud. That's Bye-bye. Steve Garland, the proprietor of Big Bats. And let's talk about Big Bats. Ken Island's original sports bar located 216 St. Clair Place, Stevensville, Maryland. And, Britt, you'll just make your connection with uh, with uh, Mr. Adam Pohl. But uh, Big Bats, on the way down or back to and from the Eastern Shore, there's no place better to stop than Big Bats. Relax and eat. It's a great place to watch the O's or the Nats. Uh, football games during the college football and pro football season. Wizards and Caps games when they play. And you can sample some of the best bar grub around. Sandwiches, salads, soups, and subs. All there for you. Big Bats. Uh, Stan the Fan highly recommends Big Bats. And uh, Steve Garland, you just heard him. The way to get there, first exit off of Stevensville. Um, is first exit over the Bay Bridge is Stevensville. Come up to the stop sign, make a left-hand turn, and you're there in a quarter of a mile. Big Bats Cafe, 216 St. Clair Place, Stevensville, Maryland. All right. Do we have our guest, Adam Pohl? We had the right phone number for Adam Pohl. Adam Pohl, you there, my friend? Yes, how are you doing? Um, I've had better days. Off to a rough start here on the bat around today. Oh, I hear you. I, I put my now you don't hear me. <laughs> I put my producer in an unenviable spot. I screwed up the first two guests of the show because I wrote down the same phone number for both guests. <laughs> and she got. Well, we'll she, get this one right. We'll get. We got this one right. We finally got this <laughs> one right. Hey, Adam, I didn't intend to talk to you about this. But last night, I'm watching the Oriole game, and about the seventh inning or eighth inning, they show a picture uh, that was tweeted out by you, I believe. Of, uh, <laughs> well, okay, so that was actually during the game. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about Navy night. I never knew about this. Is that something the Bay Sox do every year? Every single year. And you know what? There are neat things when I go to every minor league ballpark. I try to think of what is kind of the coolest thing either the best event or something like I worked for the Frederick Keys for seven years. Right. And I just think it's amazing that Francis Scott Key wrote our national anthem. He's buried in the cemetery across the street and you could stand at his grave site and hear 
the national anthem sung every night of the Keys game. I, I just think wow, that's, that's a, remarkable. That is very and, cool. Very cool. And, 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 and something that almost nobody knows. And, and uh, this is the thing for Bowie. You know, we are very close to Annapolis. Uh, and, and with that, I think last night was the 13th or 14th consecutive year that the plebe class of the Naval Academy, after their plebe summer, so they're going at it for three weeks. Uh, so basically the freshmen are called plebes, and they come to the academy about a month before uh, the regular students. And, and, and they go through a tough summer as they, as, as, as they get going as midshipmen, and, and we are their big party right near the end of plebe summer. So it, it's a great, great event. My wife took the picture. So I, I actually thought it was up in the pre- or post game. I didn't know that it was during the game. That's really cool. It was, it, it, it was an incredible picture. How many plebes were there last night? You know, I think it's more than 1,000. I, I think it's between 1,000 and 1,200, and they're all in their whites. Um, <laughs> to make everyone feel a little bit old, the the plebes are the class of 2022 that were there last night. <laughs> but, that is but, uh, really, it's really that's... a great event. And we have fireworks following the game. And it's just it's unique. They march in and, uh, and then stand at attention uh, until the national anthem. When the national anthem ends, they're released to go have fun during the game. And literally, they go right to the concession stands. <laughs> it's a huge night as far as uh, people eating. And they, they want the sweets. You know, they haven't had anything for a month. So uh, the people that run the, uh, like the ice cream shop are just overwhelmed. Well, it made for a great, great picture last night. And it makes for a pretty cool story as well. Uh, Adam Pohl joins us. And um, it, was, it was really kind of interesting so the class of 2022 was on hand last night. Is that a fair way to look at some of these prospects that the Orioles <laughs> acquired? Are they in the class of 2021, 2020, or are they mostly 2022 guys? Well, when you look at it, a lot of the guys that the Orioles acquired are around 21 or 22 years old. So I think you're looking at them getting to the big leagues pretty quickly, but but, I, you know, how long does it take them to become very good major leaguers? I guess that's a, a good question. But we're going to see a lot of new faces in the coming months in Baltimore. You know, a lot is all about who is being traded for, but the Orioles had some good players in the high minors before these trades. So, you know, when you think of Cedric Mullins, uh, you think of Keegan Aiken, who's having an outstanding year. Right. Uh, the, the Bowie Bay Sox left-handed starter you know, these are guys that probably aren't all that far away. You have to hope that uh, guys like Austin Hayes and Anthony Santander that have had down seasons with injuries as a part of it can bounce back. Uh, but uh, but there's, uh, of course, Ryan Mountcastles and Bowie as well. So, so there's a lot to be excited about in that regard. And uh, obviously all of these players aren't going to pan out and become outstanding big league ball players. But right now the Orioles have a lot of ball players that are probably going to be uh, pretty good regulars. And, and we'll see if, uh, if in the coming years they're able to get their future star ball players, uh, if they get the number one pick in the draft next year, if they're able to sign this top international player, Victor Victor Mesa, uh, that, uh, that, that's been talked about. 
uh, that might put a, even a whole new spin on this this whole uh, next generation. We're talking with Adam Pohl, play-by-play voice of the Bowie Bay Sox. So all in all, out of the 15 players the Orioles acquired in these four deals uh, in which players came back, how many are currently on the Bowie Bay Sox roster? We know that Diaz is. We know that Dean Kremer is. We know mm-hmm. that Ryan Bannon is. And we know that uh, Zach Pop is, right? Right. So so that those are the four of the five from the Manny Machado trade. Uh, Dylan Tate, who many people feel is the the uh, top player of the Zach Britton trade. Right. Uh, he'll make his Bowie Holmes debut here tonight. He's thrown in Bowie, but with Trenton. Uh, so he will he will start tonight's game, and then two of the players from the Kevin Gonsman deal, the catcher uh, Brett Cumberland, was activated last night, and then the local product, the local that sort of moves Zimmerman, he's not yet active. He's in Bowie, uh, more than likely. I, I really don't even know yet. My guess is the Bay Sox have a series here for the weekend with Reading, which is the Phillies team. We're off on Monday. And then we're Tuesday through Thursday against New Hampshire, the Blue Jays affiliate. So my guess is that um, he's going to be, uh, Zimmerman will probably start early in that New Hampshire series, and he'll probably be activated uh, before then. So that's quite a so, quite an all upheaval. All seven guys. Yeah, quite an upheaval in the roster. So what happened to the other players that were on that roster? Did they get reassigned, some of them, to Frederick? Or, or well, what happened? Nobody went down, which is a little bit surprising. So, so what has happened so far is that uh, of the six players, uh, because Zimmerman has not been activated yet, right? Uh, before the trades were even made, uh, two play, two relievers, Lucas Long and Luis Gonzalez. Luis Gonzalez has had a big year. He's an under the radar big leaguer. Uh, I bet he'll be in Baltimore uh, in the next season if he stays healthy. He's a left-handed reliever that really struggled as a starter in the low levels of the minors in the system and has really flourished as a reliever, even though he's a little bit on the older side. But he had a big season in Bowie. He was an Eastern League All-Star. So they both got promoted to Norfolk a few days before we got a trade. Uh, So when the Manny trade happened, we were only at 23 active. And, of course, uh, our roster is 25 players. So that was two. Uh, The Orioles traded a veteran a uh, starting pitcher for Bowie who has been hurt for the majority of the year, named Christian Binford. Binford uh, spent almost the, his entire career in the Royals organization, actually pitched in the Futures game four years ago, but now kind of a veteran, high level of the minor starter. And then he got traded to the Tigers for cash considerations a day ago. Uh, so that is three. Uh, they also uh, placed two players on the disabled list, an outfielder named Darby Myers and a pitcher named Reed Love. So, uh, all in all, uh, a lot of movement, but uh, nobody's been released and uh, nobody's actually gone down to Frederick. All right. Now, tell me a little bit about what you've seen of the couple guys that have performed out of the Dodger deal. You're there for every game, right? The home and road games? Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you this last night was the best night for them. I mean, it was. The Machado Quartet was making sweet music last night because it, we had uh, Kramer was a starting pitcher. Kramer is a pitcher that uh, he, he, it seems like uh, guys have a tough time centering his stuff. Mm-hmm. He's got a really good curveball. He's a four-pitch mix guy. Uh, he throws a slider a little bit, throws a changeup a bit, but he's really his curveball is his best weapon. He's got a good fastball. I mean, he kind of downplays it. 
but uh, but he touches ninety five and, and he sits ninety two ninety three. So he's got he's got a good fastball. And last night, if you're five scoreless innings, you know one thing that has happened is he, he's not a pitch efficient guy. I mean, he's a guy uh, that that's a high strikeout guy. A lot of foul balls against a lot of deep counts. So in his three starts with Bowie's at two five inning starts and a six inning start, but he's two and zero. He's having a great year. Between two levels, he's he's eight and three on the season. Um, then you've got, of course, Diaz, who's starting to get it going a little bit. Last night was his best night in the Orioles organization. You know, Diaz hasn't hit too many balls that hard in the game. He hasn't squared up that much. Last night he did. He doubled twice, uh, once to the wall of last and once over the center fielder's head. But he's got three multi-hit games in his last four. Okay. Uh, he's got speed. He's an aggressive base runner. He's got a good arm. Uh, he's, he definitely has some pop, but it's not elite power. I mean, it, when you're watching the batting practice, he's not hitting the ball out of the ballpark all the time. Uh, when you're watching him in the game, he only has seven home runs this year. He did it two in the Futures game, which yep. doesn't count. Uh, but we'll have to see over time if that moves up a little bit because he, he does make solid contact. Uh, you know, MVP, he's lining the ball all over the place. But the, the impressive but he, thing, he also the impressive pitches, thing, so he might be a little bit more of a top of the order guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with some speed than a big power bat uh, in the middle of a lineup. The impressive and thing about really him, like Zach Pop, he's a reliever, great uh, fastball with sink. And Ryan Bannon is a, is an exciting prospect. He's he's kind of a little guy that's got a lot of a lot of pop as well. That's sort a of wide open stance. So it, it, it wouldn't surprise me. If at least three of those four are major league ball players, the um, the thing with Diaz that I liked is is throughout his minor league career, and it sounds like he's doing it at Bowie, even though he's just starting to hit. His on base percentage is is he's a high on base guy. Definitely, yeah, he, and I think that that uh, in the first few games he was chasing. I think he was trying to do too much. Uh, but there's no doubt about it. When you look at his numbers from Double A Tulsa, that that this was going to start to happen. He had a walk last night as well. Uh, he, so he, uh, some of these new guys, Ryan McKenna, who's had a great year uh, jumping up in the Orioles system, 21 year old center fielder, is very similar. Uh, but uh, but but with it, you're looking at guys that that have a little bit of a different approach than many of the Orioles that we've seen over the years. You know, they're they're not as big power guys, but. But, but they're guys that, that will take a walk. We're talking with Adam Pohl, play-by-play voice of the Bowie Bay Sox. They've got at least five of the new members of the Orioles organization playing for the Bay Sox. Have, has it been tangible yet, Adam, that fans that may not go to a regular Bowie Bay Sox game are showing up, they're curious about this new new batch of players? Yeah, I think the first night after the Machado trade, it was um, Yusmiel got a huge ovation when he came up for his first at bat. Uh, you see little people wearing orange in the crowd, which is great. We have had, to, as you know, in the last two weeks, you know, we we just had a, a long week, long road trip, but we've had terrible weather. I mean, today the Bay Sox are at home. Um, I know that we have a lot of tickets already sold. Uh, so tonight's going to be one of those nights where, where it'll really see because literally um, since the Machado trade, I think we've had eight home games and it's rained during six of them. So, so it's it's been pretty miserable in that regard, including <laughs> last night with some on and off rain. So tonight's going to be hopefully a gorgeous night, and we got fireworks following the game. So we have a big crowd, 
And I think a lot of people are going to be excited. And, you know, like we just said, we got seven guys. But that's, that's almost one-third of the team yeah. uh, that has come to the club via trade. Now, <laughs> now, That's something I've never been a part of before. Now, tell me about the, the two guys that are most interesting to Baltimore Oriole fans currently, or, or at least when the season started. It sounds like Keegan Aiken and McKenna have come on with big seasons. But two of the most disappointing parts of this organization have been the injuries that have befelled, uh, befallen both Austin Hayes, the outfielder, and Hunter Harvey, the pitcher. What's the latest right. you can give us on an update on the progress of them back from injuries? So, for, first of all, with uh, with McKenna and uh, and then also Keegan Aiken, I, I'm really a Keegan Aiken believer. You know, there, there's something to it. When a guy throws a fastball, and and people just don't get a good look at it, I, you know we, we've seen this before. Guys that throw ninety five, and it and, and you're just looking at the radar gun, you know, and and and, and people are just wailing on that. I mean, they're just hitting line drives all over the place. Aiken is the exact opposite. I mean, he throws a low nineties fastball. Uh, he'll get it up to ninety four, ninety five here and there, but but really, he there's something about it. Whether it's the spin rate. Uh, the arm angle, the deception. I mean, he is a fastball pitcher. He told me this year he lives and dies with his fastball. It, it kind of goes against the grain uh, of how the game of baseball is going, where you're just seeing pitchers kind of more like in the Jeffrey Ramirez role, where they're throwing a ton of change-ups and a ton of breaking balls, and it's all about keeping guys off balance. Aiken is just, a, I'm going to go right after you and come and hit it. And, and you know, he he just had a start where he did not give up a single in seven innings. I mean, he was he was dominant. Uh, he's the top strikeout pitcher in the Eastern League, which I think is a very important deal. Okay, uh, he's got eleven wins on the year. Uh, he's been the best pitcher in the upper levels of the Orioles minors, and, and right now, you know, Dean Famer's been really good. Uh, Dylan Tate has been really good. But you, you kind of think about the new guys above the guys you already have. I think Aiken, who's the same age as those two, is, um, I think he's ahead. I, I really think so. And, and he's got a good chance to be now, do you a guy. Do you see a, any a chance? rotation arm. Adam, do you see any chance that they would elevate him to Norfolk? Or does that not seem to be part of the plan? It's a, it's a good question. You know, I mean, we're kind of in a little bit of a roster crunch. It's possible. Uh, Norfolk is really in, in the playoff run, too. Mm-hmm. So, there's a chance that they could say, hey, we want to uh, move Aiken up here for his last few starts of the year and have him pitch and, and try to help the Tides in their playoff run uh, as well. I think that more importantly than what's going to happen, because we have one month left in the minor league season, right. whether he stays at three or goes to Norfolk, my, my guess would be that he would be a Tide starter in Norfolk to start next year. Yeah. But a guy that's going to be in Baltimore as long as he is healthy uh, somewhere during 2019. All right, now, so, let's um, get back. going to be there pretty soon. Let's and, get back to Hunter he, Harvey. He's a good pitcher. Let's talk about Hunter Harvey and Austin Hayes. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I don't know as much about Harvey because Harvey, basically, to let people know, when a, when a player is injured in the minor leagues, if they think it's a short-term injury, they stay with their club. Mm-hmm. Austin Hayes has stayed with the Bay Sox. His injury has kind of lingered longer than we thought all year. Uh, he's been out for about two months, and but it was it was thought to be a week or two that he was going to be out when he was injured. Harvey was in a long-term rehab from the get-go, so therefore with his shoulder ailment, 
he went down to Florida so um, to the Orioles uh, in Sarasota, their extended spring training. So uh, with Harvey, I, I heard word uh, that there's a chance that he could, he's been throwing. So definitely uh, there's two ways to go. Either you're rehabbing or you're having surgery. So he's not having surgery. So he's rehabbing. That's a good sign. And it means that maybe the injury uh, is not as bad as thought of. And he could pitch uh, here in the last month of the season. I don't know if there's really a reason to rush him, you know, with one month left in the season. I think it's more looking at would they put him in the Arizona Fall League? Uh, would he pitch in instructional league, which is usually for younger players? Uh, but the, the whole goal for Harvey at this point is to have him ready to go to pitch at either B or Norfolk to start 2019, which would be my guess. And then if he has success, move him up. The problem with Harvey is he just hasn't thrown that many innings. And when he was at Bowie, his stuff was electric early in the season. Yeah. Uh, but he just looked like a guy that needed to pitch. He needed to learn. You know, there's a reason why the minor leagues happen, right? You're working against the top players of your age, and you're kind of working up and getting better and improving. And, and Harvey, the good thing before this last injury was that he still had his stuff. It doesn't matter how many times you've been hurt. If you still have your stuff, you're still a guy. The Bay Sox have a reliever right now, Brandon Klein, who's missed so much time. Yeah. He's the same age as Kevin Gosman, and he'll probably be in the Orioles' bullpen here in the near future. He never lost his stuff, even with all of these injuries. So Help me. If Harvey keeps his stuff, he'll be okay. But it's, it's just the, the question is, can he stay healthy? And, and kind of kind of mature to becoming uh, the big league starter that he will be. All and right, then with Hayes, uh, Hayes is in Aberdeen right now, so he has already started his rehab And uh, as far as getting back into playing shape, and he could be with Bowie shortly. All right, one last question about Hunter Harvey. I, I, when mm-hmm. I heard that he had instability in the shoulder, it sounded like, oh, my God, how could that happen? Uh, from throwing a pitch, but am I hearing correctly? I just read the other day that it was trying to avoid a foul ball in the dugout that he moved yes, funny yeah. and and ramped his shoulder out of place. Correct. Yes. So basically, I, to be honest, I don't even know exactly where it happened, but because it, it might have been at home, he tried to make one start after the injury, and it was in Bowie, and he struggled. But with all these dugouts now, you know, everywhere, as a, it's funny because it's for safety precaution. Yeah. Every dugout in baseball has got a fence in front of the dugout. Yeah. And Harvey had his arms on top, kind of his elbows on top of the fence, and a line drive went over him, and he jolted the lurch away. And, Unbelievable. And, Unbelievable. I mean, that, that's what happened. I mean, right. it, it's never it's heard that the whole belief. It's been two months, never heard that story until the other day. Adam yeah. Cole, I'm going to see you uh, Tuesday night. I'll text you about what I'm doing, all right? Great. Sounds good, Stan. All Thanks right. Really appreciate your coming on. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Stan. Adam Pohl, play-by-play voice of the Bowie Bay Sox. Joining us in just a moment now on the batter round uh, will be none other than Matt Slatus, the general manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds. Uh, this is Stan the Fan with the batter round, and uh, we will remind you that the today, uh, and I believe it will be on ESPN or the NFL Network, uh, the um, uh, Hall of Fame induction will take place today. We had the Hall of Fame game on Thursday night. Uh, today will be the announcements, I mean the inductions and the speeches. Uh, it's going to be a great class that's going in. Um, 
Terrell Owens making a big mistake, but that's for another talk show. Uh, but Ray Lewis uh, going into the Hall of Fame today. We want to remind you, if you want to see a great um, issue of Press Box that's all about Ray Lewis, pick one up now. It's on the stands for another 10, 12 days. Uh, or if you want to just go to PressBoxOnline.com and hit the in print button at the top, scroll, and you'll find our issue uh, all about Ray Lewis. Great job by our editorial staff. All right, joining us right now from uh, Aberdeen Ironbirds Land, uh, which is uh, up in uh, in Aberdeen. That's where the Aberdeen Ironbirds play at uh, Lido's Field. Is none other than the general manager of the team and a good friend, Matt Slatus. Matt, how are you, my friend? I'm good, Stan. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Doing great. Just was talking to Adam Pohl, the play-by-play voice of the Bowie Bay Sox. A lot of excitement there uh, with all these oh, new prospects sure. there. But you've got your own set of new prospects there at uh, Aberdeen, don't you? Yeah, we do. And, you know, ever an ever-changing roster up in, uh, in Aberdeen and really in the New York Penn League. I think we're, we're the last league in minor league baseball that still plays with 35-man rosters. So, you know, with all that flexibility comes a whole lot of turnover. Uh, I did hear that we're, we're probably going to get one of those guys from the scope trade. Uh, I'm not sure if he's with the club yet. They're up in Brooklyn this week. Okay. Uh, but they make their way back home tomorrow, so we'll find out. All right. A couple of the players that I asked you to send me a couple notes about players and some stuff to talk about. So let's start with the players that are interesting I've known about this Dalton Hoyles kid, Chris Hoyles' son. I've known about him for about 10 years as a guy who was, you know, really loved baseball and was headed in his father's footsteps. Can you tell us what the first seven, 10 days have been like for Dalton and what your eyeballs show you? Yeah, I mean, I know Dalton has uh, a lot of power. And, you know, one of of the funnier stories of our team season was uh, the club was actually up in Brooklyn uh, a month or so ago, and in batting practice, Dalton hit a home run that you know flew so far it hit the jumbotron and hit the video board in Brooklyn and actually broke it. It was down for the day. Wow! Um, so that that in and of itself is a cool minor league story. But the, then the team got on a bus and drove up to Albany, New York, to to play the Astros affiliate. And when they got out there for batting practice, they had put on the video board: "You break it, you buy it." So word, word traveled very quickly about young Dalton's power. That's, um, that's a great story. But, now, is he a first you know, my, base? Is he a first baseman or an outfielder? They've, they've listed him as a catcher, but I think he's more of an outfielder, DH kind of guy. Okay. Um, you know, and, and much like his dad, though, he's he's a grinder. He's going to get dirty, and I, I think if you told that kid he had to play shortstop, he'd figure out a way to do it. Um, you know, he's he's a baseball player, and those kinds of guys they tend to surprise you. And I think that uh, Dalton Dalton has a lot of those characteristics. When you come see a an Aberdeen Ironbirds game there at Lido's Field, is there a chance you might bump into a Pop, a proud Papa? You know, I saw him once, so okay. I, I wouldn't put it past him. I know he's uh, relatively local. I think Chris is up in Pennsylvania. Yep. Um, so I, I wouldn't definitely wouldn't put it past him to see him out there for sure. Uh, all right. There's a big first baseman who I hear hits the ball pretty hard, J.C. Ascara. Yeah, J.C.'s had a really nice start to the year. You know, I think in uh, in Baltimore, obviously you want to find that next bat, that big first baseman. Uh, the kid's got a lot of pop, and he's if he can stay healthy, I think he's really got a shot. You know, just looking at 
what he's done so far. The guy's getting on base at over a 400% level. Um, so that, that's what you want out of those corner infields, and, and J.C.'s really done it. All right. And then one other player that uh, made your list is a guy named Adam Hall. He was a second-round pick last season, a young middle infielder. Has he impressed yet this year? He has, you know. Adam is a guy who's he's probably not even twenty years old, and he's he's playing in a league full of college kids. And you know, at, at very best, he, he's holding his own, and he's out there every day, and he's playing hard. Um, tiny guy, young guy, obviously a high school kid. But I think that anytime you make an investment like that in a, you know, a young kid at such a high round, and you know, we're talking about millions of dollars to sign him, uh, I think the Orioles obviously have some some big plans for his future and he's a kid who gets out there he plays shortstop every day uh you know he's not afraid to get his uniform dirty he runs hard and he plays the game well uh, he's been fun to watch you know, he's fun to watch just because he's he's so much younger than everybody else uh, but i think that you know such a high draft pick you have to expect big things in the future uh, even if it takes two or three years for them to start to materialize well, I know from I know from having had you on the TV show and also here on the radio earlier in the season, one of the big investments that the ball club made this year was a huge upgrade to the tune of about four hundred thousand dollars in concession. You know, the the, the improving the stands right. and bringing in a better quality of food. It looks like that word. You know, the, the old saying about restaurants is. You got good food, people will find you. It sounds like uh, the word has gotten around that the concessions are much improved. Yeah, I think that's really the case. And, you know, you, you come out to the ballpark, obviously, to see great baseball, but minor league baseball is about so much more. And, um, you know, we, we've upgraded our food at the concession stands. Earlier this morning, I was reviewing some buffet menus for this homestand. And, you know, in our club buffet, you can now build your own tacos. They've got two different kinds of meat fish and beans and it's pretty incredible you know our fans told us that they care as much about food as they do the game itself so you know we've we've worked really hard to improve it and everything is cooked fresh nothing's wrapped anymore you know you go into a ballpark sometimes and you get that hot dog sitting in tinfoil it's soggy it's, it's not what you want right uh, and i think that we've we fixed that this year all right that sounds great that sounds great i understand the attendance has been pretty strong You've had uh, more than a couple sellouts, and the average attendance is back up to about 3,500 a game. Yeah, it is. And I think that, you know, we need to put on a great show for our fans, and we're, and we're doing just that. And, and we know that our fans come out again to see more than baseball. You know, you're seeing your future Orioles. You're seeing some fantastic on-field action. Uh, you know, take tomorrow, for example. Sunday, August 5th, it's our Olympic game. We're actually going to have professional baseball's first ever outdoor ice show. So we've got professional figure skaters. You know, wrap your mind around this. We've got professional figures that are going to, figure skaters that are going to be skating atop the Ironbirds dugout between innings. Um, you know, <laughs> Friday night at ten, it's Star Wars night. Yeah, I know. It's, it, you're trying to figure out what skating is going to look like. So am I. Right, but right. I say it's going to be great. <laughs> Should people bring their winter coats then? Bring your coat. Yeah, bring no, we'll, your we'll make sure you stay warm. And yeah. then I think, you know, knock on wood, we finally have uh, 48 hours of nice weather here. Yeah, this all, has been a, you know, the, the numbers that you've got attendance-wise are despite a really ter uh, terrible summer, you know, in terms of the weather. Yeah, between heat and humidity and now all the precipitation, we actually rained up three games in a row. Right. Um, you know, the last two games of a homestand and then the first game of the next homestand. 
Uh, and I was I was standing in the dugout. We were, we were about to play a doubleheader, and five minutes before first pitch, clear skies and beautiful. You know, my groundskeeper taps me on the shoulder and says, "Hey, we got something brewing over in Annapolis. It, it could be in Aberdeen." And twenty minutes later, and you know, twenty minutes later, before you knew it, you could have gone whitewater rafting in the Ironbirds dugout. I've never seen anything like wow. it. Wow! Wow! Um, yeah, the rain's just been so unpredictable this year. Well, I know you got the beginning of a six-game homestand tomorrow. Uh, you host the Staten Island Yankees for I think three, and then the Vermont Lake Monsters. And let's not let's hope they don't bring the lake back with them, uh, the Athletics sure. Farm Club. Um, so this is a pretty important homestand where you hope to get some some good weather and continue the good traction with attendance. For sure. You know, I think that uh, nothing helps a minor league baseball team more than good weather. You, you hit the nail on the head there. Um, and our fans who come out, you know, you're seeing between these two clubs coming in some great future American League baseball. I think that no matter what happens, the Orioles and the Yankees are always going to be rivals on the field. So to be able to uh, you know, be able to see it at this young level, it's really important. It's important in the development of our players, and it's important for our fans, too, that they, they see these guys before they're stars. So I think that you've got a, a nice AL East matchup this week and then you know, some future, future American leaguers with the A's guys coming in uh, towards the end of the week as well. Well, I know that the, the saying usually, and it's about men, is somebody is the favorite son, but you've got, I guess, the, is it fair to say Harford County's favorite daughter, Kimmy Meisner, is coming out? And when, is that part of the, the ice skating thing tomorrow night? So, so Kimmy is actually going to skate out the first pitch tomorrow. So okay. we've got a, a strip of ice ready for her. Um, <laughs> and then she is not going to, to skate in the show, but she'll be around, and I'm sure she'll sign some autographs and take some photos. You know, in 2006, Kimmy was American's youngest ever yep. Olympian. Uh, so as we celebrate Olympic night, we want to have her there and make sure, uh, as Hartford County's favorite daughter, she gets the credit that she deserves because that's just so important. Now I know this community. Yep. Now I know this coming, and she is a great ambassador for the community, and that she's one of Harford County's own. It's pretty special. Uh, Friday night is Star Wars night. It's just about a sellout. Uh, if people want to come out there, what are they going to expect? That's Star Wars related. I guess everything. Yeah. So we've got um, some of the coolest ballpark entertainment I've ever seen. We've got. Saber fighters, you know, lightsaber fighters, all of the Star Wars characters will be there, R2-D2, the new characters. Um, and then most importantly, everyone tells me we've got Harford County's best fireworks. So we'll be shooting fireworks at night with Star Wars tumblers and gymnasts on the field at the same time, Star Wars music. Our players are going to be introduced on the video board. I don't want to give it all away, but with a very cool Star Wars look. And, uh, you know, if you're a fan of those George Lucas films, this is a game you, won't, you wouldn't want to miss. All right. Wrapping up, uh, tell us a little how the, uni- the, the name changes have gone this season. Are they all uh, done and finished? So we, we still have our, our famous Steam Crabs game coming okay. up. That's going to be on August 24th. Okay. Uh, and tomorrow and every Sunday we play as the Star Spangled Banners. All right. Uh, we worked with Fort McHenry and the Aberdeen Proving Ground on that, and it's been a huge success. Uh, but just this past weekend, on the 27th and 28th of July, Hartford County was supposed to host the Bassmaster Tournament, um, the Bassmaster Elite Upper Chesapeake. The event was actually rained out. Okay. Believe it or not, the baseball game got 
go on, but the fishing tournament was rained out. Uh, we played as the Hartford County Anglers. Okay. And, you know, when you think about the success of last year's Steam Krebs name change, it was going to be really tough to top. Um, you know, this time last week, though, I'll tell you, Saturday morning, ESPN actually did a piece on the Anglers. Uh, so Sports Center had a piece on the Anglers, and they were named the minor league baseball promotion of the week and, and featured again on Sports Center. So we still have a little bit of Anglers merchandise available. We still have a little bit of Iron or uh, Star Spangled Banners merchandise available, and we're coming out with some new Steam Crab stuff shortly. And our fans can purchase that at IronbirdsBaseball.com. Well, I've gotten to know you, and uh, we've become friends over the last couple two and a half years. It's it's great to hear plans that make some sense, but to then see them executed to almost flawlessly with that without taking the weather into account. It must be pretty gratifying that the vision you had when Cal brought you in has really played out for the most part almost to perfection, Matt. It has. And, you know, I, I don't think we ever want to rest on our laurels. I think that I'm cognizant and our staff is cognizant that we are still and always will be a work in progress. Yep. Uh, but at the same time, we've made some really significant change. It's resonating with the fans, and I'm pretty pumped about the future. You know, yeah. I think it's just it's just beginning. All right. Great to have you on again. Thank you. I will be out there before the season ends, I promise. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Matt. All right. That's Matt Slatus, uh, Ironbird's general manager, in the midst of a, uh, a troubled weather season but uh, other than that, artistic success. All right, we're going to take a time out right now, and I, again, will tell you about Big Bats. Uh, you know it's one of my favorite places. I can't say that I get there all the time because it's right over the Bay Bridge, but if you are going down to the Eastern Shore or coming home from the Eastern Shore, I think you want to try and stop in Ken Island's original sports bar, located 216 St. Clair Place. If you're going from sort of uh, Annapolis or from Baltimore or Towson and you're driving over the Bay Bridge, it is immediately the first exit off of the Bay Bridge once you've passed it. It's Saint, it's Stevensville. You come up to the stop sign at the top of the little hill, make a left, go down about a quarter of a mile, and you'll find uh, just a little piece of baseball in sports heaven. Great sports bar. No place better to stop and relax and eat. Great place to watch the O's or the Nats uh, during the season, college football, pro football, then during the season, the Caps and the Wizards. Whatever sports you want to watch, it's on the TVs there. There's probably about 40 of them in the place, and you can sample some of the best bar grub around, sandwiches, salads, soups, and subs. It's Ken Island's original sports bar, Big Bats. I'm excited to tell you about one of our newest partners, I'm excited to tell you about one of our newest partners, Loop League. Find them at loopleague.com. What are they all about? Well, this is very cool. You can link together events from across the sports landscape into one comprehensive fantasy pool. So let's just say you're like us. Maybe you're playing a World Cup pool right now. You want to keep that fun going with your friends after the World Cup is over. Maybe you do a football picks pool that you loop together, and that fun continues throughout the course of the year. Start a league today. Invite your friends. Single event leagues are free. Multi-event leagues are just a flat four 
$4.99 fee for the entire league, not per person, just $4.99. There's plenty of competitions that Loop League has. I mentioned the World Cup football picks. It continues MLB playoffs. They'll be doing stuff like that. I mean, they even do UFC fights, but if you've got an idea for something that you want to do, you can tell them at Loop League on Twitter, and they'd be willing to consider it. They've got 21 events on the platform right now with more coming. This is something that was started by local guys. It's extremely cool. Loop League. Find them at loopleague.com. Our buddy Steve at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square is sweetened the menu with the Summer of Peach, featuring a chilly and delicious white peach tea lemonade that combines tea and lemonade with fresh white peaches. Many of us were already mixing tea and lemonade, while Chick-fil-A added the extra twist of an essential summer taste, peach. Visit the official Glenn Clark Radio Chick-fil-A store on Campbell Boulevard in Nottingham Square. Your Aberdeen Ironbirds take the field as the star-spangled banners of Aberdeen versus the Staten Island Yankees this Sunday, August 5th at 4.05 p.m. U.S. Olympian Kimmy Meisner makes an appearance at Lido's Field at Ripken Stadium and witness baseball's first-ever ice performance live at the ballpark. Tickets starting as low as $5. Visit AberdeenIronbirds.com. KZ, Sari, the NFL chick, KO from the Pressbox Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to pressboxonline.com slash fantasy every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. And you can also check us out on facebook.com slash pressboxsports. We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer, the, the other type of football. No. No, we don't. We don't? No. Never? No. Yeah, Tennis? No. Nope. Rugby? Nope. No? Just no, football. Just NFL football. football. College, College football. College football. Every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, Press Box Fantasy and Reality Football Show. In the market for a used car? Stop. Stop looking at used cars and go buy a new Mitsubishi from Jerry's. New Mitsubishis are more fuel efficient and they come with a 100,000 mile powertrain warranty. During Jerry's model year-end sale, new Mitsubishi Mirages start from only $9,300. Or check out the hot new 2018 Mitsubishi Eclipse Cross, loaded with tech. And it comes with all-wheel control starting at $21,000. Visit Jerry's Mitsubishi on Joppa Road and jerrysmitsubishi.com. Prices plus tax, tags, and freight. Sale ends August 27th. Stand the fan back here on the bat around on this Saturday morning, the 4th of August. Um, joining us right now from Nats Park is none other than Craig Heist. And Craig, uh, Thank you for uh, taking a few minutes out of what I know is a really hectic schedule on game day. No problem at all, Stan. All right. Uh, tell us, of number one, you had mentioned to me earlier in the week that you, you might be able to get an interview, and I know it didn't happen because, first of all, you and I planned that you were going to be back here with us, but there was a shot you were going to get a sit-down with Jim Riggleman uh, you got to be you. You're a guy who covered Riggleman while he was a skipper down there. You got to be pretty psyched about the kind of season he's had when he's gotten another chance to manage a major league baseball team. Well, I don't think there's any question about it, Stan. And when he took over uh, for Dave, uh, for for Brian Price, uh, you know the, the club was really struggling. And uh, I did talk to Riggleman yesterday, and he talked to me about the fact that when. He, he took over the club. He says it didn't make any difference uh, what they did. He says Brian was managing his tail off. 
and this is, it just it wasn't happening for us. So uh, management decided there needed to be a change. Riggleman got the job. He had been there uh, as a third base coach under uh, Price, and uh, a lot of people felt like he should have had a job before. Regardless of that, uh, you know, everything that happened from when he stepped away from the Nationals to, you know, eventually finding his way back to, to Cincinnati and uh, being with that club and, and going through the minor league system and, and managing with the minor league system uh, kind of prepared him again for what he's doing now. And now it's just up to whether or not Cincinnati is after this season is over with. And I certainly think he's done a good enough job to warrant that consideration when you, when you stop to think that, you know, they were, you know, 3-18 and 18 or whatever it was when he took over. And uh, up, until, up until they lost the opener of this four-game series, uh, he had them playing just a game above 500. So uh, it was a really nice sit-down. I had it with him yesterday. Uh, talked to him for about 10 minutes. And uh, maybe next week we'll be able to – I'll send it up and we can get it on the air. All right, we'd like that. Where are you? Where are you sitting or standing right now? You're in a noisy. I'm, I'm in the. I'm in the. I'm in the tunnel right outside the interview room. Okay. All right. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Nats. Uh, is there a chance that last night's rainout kind of muddies the momentum that they had built up over three big I wins? Think it probably does to a certain degree because while nothing's changed in terms of the starting pitching rotation or anything like that. They had gotten back to the five games of uh, Philly uh, in the NLEs, but then uh, I just think it's really hard to win a doubleheader, as, as I think most baseball fans know. So they have that pressure on them today. So they want to at least get a split, because if they get a split, they have a chance to win a three out of four in this series. And that was big. The, the downside to the Nats rain out last night was the fact that both the Phillies and the Braves won their games. So... It's five in the loss column. It's five and a half overall in the division. So, uh, but, but, but again, the Nats have, uh, you know, two series left with the Braves home and away. They've got two series left with the Phillies home and away. There's plenty of time to take care of business against the teams that are ahead of you. Um, I know it's, it's kind of a cliche, but is there still a lot of belief in that clubhouse that this thing is going to turn around in time and long enough to overtake one of those two teams? Well, I think they, I think they feel that way, certainly. Uh, and when you stop and look at the way they've played over the last week and a half or so, uh, they've won six of their last eight games. They've won three, three in a row now. And uh, they seem to have gotten a couple of their guys uh, on track. Bryce Harper has improved his average from, three, uh, from 215 to th- uh, 230. After he's hitting 333 since the All-Star break, the base hits are starting to come uh, a little bit more for Bryce now, and not just the fact that you know he's hitting home runs with 26 of those, uh, and he's given in uh, you know 60 runs at this point. Uh, Zimmerman, uh, since he came back uh, and from the All-Star break, uh, is when he got back. Uh, Zimmerman's hitting uh, 289. Daniel Murphy's tearing the cover off the ball and, you know, Adam Eaton and Trey Turner. Trey Turner's really doing a great job, Sam, because uh, he sold four bases over the last two days. He's up now to 30. And uh, I, I think to have him and Adam Eaton at the top of that lineup to kind of facilitate some things is going to make everybody else better. But uh, 
uh, you know, if you had to point to one person that's kind of the odd man out in this, and probably their best outfielder, defensively at least, is Michael A. Taylor because uh, they moved Bryce to center field so Eaton can play right field, and there just hasn't been as many opportunities for Michael A. here since the All-Star break. Tell us a little bit about uh, what the what the current status of Steve Strasburg is, and will they get him back in the next few days? Uh, I think they'll get him back sometime within the next week. Uh, he was thrown off flat ground. He's still got to go out on the rehab assignment. Uh, but they're looking forward to him pitching uh, certainly the last six weeks of this season. We've got a little bit of ways to go before that mark comes to be. Uh, but I, I certainly think he'll be back. And, you know, the biggest thing is they need, they need him to pitch and pitch well uh, the rest of the year because everybody remembers what happened when he came back off the DL last year. Uh, those last two months, he was probably the best pitcher in all of baseball. All right. Before we let you go, tell us a little bit about your take on uh, the Nats bullpen now that they got rid of Brandon Kinsler. He goes to the Cubs and then they suddenly released uh, Sean Kelly after his temper tantrum on the field. Did you agree with Mike Rizzo that that was worthy of being cut from the baseball team? Uh, Considering some of the things that happened along the way, uh, I think that was probably the final straw, and that did warrant it as opposed to if it was just a... Just that. You know, one of those situations that just happened to occur. But Kinsler, uh, his, his trade... Uh, was partly due to what a lot of people think was comments he made uh, about how the clubhouse is in disarray and the way Dave Martinez was handling the bullpen and, uh, you know, getting people up, getting down, not knowing whether they were going to pitch. Well, you know, I'm sorry, but I say to that, you know, suck it up and play. Number one, it's your job. Number two, it's not unlike anything that doesn't happen with other clubs. Now, certainly certain managers handle it better than others, uh, but the Kelly situation, uh, he was in, he came in in a 25 to one game, uh, basically to mop it up. And then he didn't pitch well. He gave up a, a two run homer. He gave up a couple of base hits. He uh, walked the batter. And, uh, when he gave up the home run, the ball got over the center field wall. That's when he slammed his glove down. Uh, so they, they had a long discussion about it after the game that night, and then the next day they figured uh, it was time to cut their ties. All right. Well, there you have it. So how do they plan to replace Kinsler and Kelly, which they didn't know they were going to be replacing two guys when they got rid of Kinsler? Well, uh, for me, the biggest thing here is with uh, uh, Doolittle being out and and having the toe situation, yep. I mean, his his coming back to fill out that closer's role uh, would kind of push everybody back into uh, in, into roles they're more familiar with. But uh, certainly, uh, uh, Matt Grace plays into that. Uh, you know, Sammy Solis is back up, so there's some left-handed options for Martinez to use there. Uh, and so from that standpoint, uh, I think they'll... They'll, they'll be okay. Uh, Matson's still a part of this bullpen, although he's been a little bit shaky yeah. uh, here lately. The the night that, uh, or, or the night before, uh, when uh, Kelly threw his glove down, the game before, the night before, the day, uh, the afternoon game, I should say, the day before that, uh, he gave up a run in the eighth inning. The Nationals had a fairly comfortable lead, uh, but the, they gave up one there, and they gave up a couple in the ninth inning. So, 
I mean, a little bit of stability has to come to form here for this bullpen going forward. You think there's a chance that Rizzo will uh, strike uh, as we get closer to the trade deadline if they if they have moved into a, a more threatening position to overtake Philly and Atlanta? Well, I don't think there's any question about it. He's always looking for things like that, Stan, and we've seen him do uh, make deals like that in the past. So, you know, let's hope that that's the case and they can find somebody to help solidify it. Uh, but if not, I think he's pretty happy going uh, with the people that he's got right now. And really, you know, you can make the trades or, you know, pass through waiver trades uh, up until the 31st of this month. So he's got some time. All but, right. Uh, the, the bottom line for this team, for them to get where they want to go, they have to win series. They just have to continue to win series. Yep. You know, and, and maybe reel off a, a 10 out of 14 stretch or a 10 out of 15 stretch. If they do that, I think you'll look up at the beginning of September and then you'll be playing meaningful baseball down the stretch. All right, my friend. Craig Heist, there he is, covering the Nats for 106.7 The Fan over in D.C. Thank you, Craig. You got it, Stan. Take care. All right. There you go, Craig Heist. Uh, in a uh, not an optimal place uh, where he was in that tunnel, but he had to be close by because he was ducking out of uh, – Dave Martinez presser uh, before the game. All right, we're going to try, and the way today's show's gone, it won't, won't surprise me if Todd Karpovich's is, is, uh, phone is uh, dead or something like that, but uh, we're going to try and, g- and get Todd on the program in just a minute. He has uh, jumped in uh, with the loss of Rich Dubroff for uh, PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com. We need to get somebody that knows uh, what's going on with the Baltimore Orioles, and we've gotten uh, a local guy who does a lot of freelance stuff around town, and um, he's uh, one of my favorite people. And uh, currently, uh, are you able to tell us a little bit about the book you're working on, Todd Karpovich? Yes, I am. Um, it's a, a book about uh, Mark Amitucci and it's uh, Calvin Hall basketball. It's actually at the printer now, um, which centers around um, Calvin Hall had lost one of their best players, um, Paul Kinney, uh, to, cardiac, to cardiac arrest during a game against Parkville uh, his junior year. And, and, what, and what year is this, just to give our audience? This is 1980. 1980, okay. Yeah, and then the, uh, the, and they kind of dedicated the season to him and that, the season was culminated uh, with a triple overtime victory over the boys from Dunbar, which uh, sold out Towson Center, 5,000 people. And then the following year, Calvert Hall went wire to wire for a national championship, 34 and 0. Wow. So, so the book talks about that whole sort of storyline. We also talk about, we get into uh, Amatucci also became the, went from Calvert Hall as the head coach of Loyola College and had the biggest turnaround in the NCAA his second year there, right. from four wins to 15 wins. So we sort of talk about the process there also. All right. Sounds good. Does it have a, a title? Uh, no Limits. No Limits. All right. I thought it was going to be a dedicated season, kind of <laughs> like a season hey, on the brink. There's time to change it. There's uh, time to change A dedicated season. All right. <laughs> or a season of dedication. But I guess it's more than one season. So, uh, but, yeah. uh, anyway, we've got you on today not to talk about Mark Amatucci and the great job he did there at Calvert Hall. We've got you on to talk about the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, they made a lot of news in the past 10 days by not just trading the guys that they were going to lose at the end of the year, but they ended up making a calculation that it made sense to kind of tear the whole house down. Yeah. Um, the thing, uh, I guess – 
they got a lot of play- they got back what fourteen players. Um, it's a lot of quantity, but within that group, I mean, is do you really see a can't miss prospect among those guys? Well, I mean, they got some good. They, they got some back some good players. Yeah, I I think in the, in I think the and the, I was a guest on a show driving in today. I was on with Bruce Posner, and the 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 thing that hits me about this rebuild is usually a rebuild is kind of a reset by trading your best players for for great young talent to take their place in a year or two. Uh, it seems like the Orioles had a twofold purpose for their rebuild. One was to do the reset, but one, the other was to get the payroll down to a more handleable uh, realm. I think the days of $130 million payrolls are done for now, you know, yeah. and the Orioles got as high as 162 years ago in the 17th season. I think you're going to see the club be at about 75 to 82 million next year. And I think that was part and parcel of it. I think the club will not pocket the difference because first of all, I don't think all that money's there. I think when you draw uh, on pace to draw 1.6, you can't afford a payroll uh, much above $75 million. No. So, so no I th- of course, Chris Davis's contract. Yeah, so I think, I think that the club uh, – made the calculation, and I think, for example, the Gosman trade, we gave Gosman away for their willingness to take on Darren O'Day's contract and yep. the $2.5 million international slot money that they gave us, more so than trying to get two or three real great prospects. I think we took a couple lottery tickets in Brett Cumberland and uh, the, the shortstop kid I think we got in that deal. Uh, I think Evan Phillip might be a guy that can help us out of the bullpen, but I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, we got back a lot of quantity. Uh, I don't think the quality is what you would have hoped for, but there's more ways than one to skin a cat, and I think the Orioles elected this way to skin this cat. Yeah, if they, they need to get more aggressive in the international market. No I question think it's about the it. the whole key to this whole, yeah. this whole rebuild is, is getting some of these young you know, players and bringing them into the, bringing them into the, to, to, the, to the franchise and have them perform because these kids, these guys, these guys can play. You know, and they don't. They have speed. You know, they're five tool players. It's something the world's not having really done. You know, so it's just a new direction that's positive. I, I, I think. I think so too. You know, I talked to to Ron Rizzi, the scout that used to work for the for the Dodgers for about twenty years. He's now with the Nationals. About three weeks ago, before the trades really hit hit. He said, Stan, he goes, I was down and saw your Delmarva team and the Frederick team. There's not one Latin player down there. Yeah, he, says, yeah, he says 30% of the game now is Latin and 40% are superstars are Latin. And we've got zero at A ball and, you know, high A and low A. That's, that's yeah. untenable. It's untenable. Yeah. You know, there's like a soccer team in Europe not having any Brazilian players. Right. I mean, right. You, got, you got to pick the best players. You know, I mean, That's a great analogy. Regardless of where they're from, you pick the best players on your team. Yeah. Um, the other so, thing you know, is. I just remember a story for Press Box. The yeah. story I wrote for Press Box this week was uh, uh, Dave Duquette. I mean, it's looking more like. I mean, would they, let, would they let him make all these moves if he wasn't part of the future plans? I, I really think it's. It, I think the time might have turned with that. I mean, I don't know. Well, we're not that. That's the the one thing I said on uh, the show I was on earlier this morning with Bruce was that that's the only part of this. I think fans are really excited about it, but I think they'd like to know the answer on the GM, the team president, 
and the manager so they'd really know who to listen to. So, so far we're hearing from a guy that three weeks ago we all assumed in the media that he was a dead man walking. He was gone. And yeah. He was gone, and yet he's talking like he's the new sheriff in town. Uh, and it's a little unsettling. Um, and I remind people before we think that Dan is definitely the guy that three years ago, uh, I think Andy McPhail had already been hired or was rumored he was taking over as the Phillies team president. They made a calculated uh, uh, decision to let Ruben Amaro, the team general manager, who they had decided was not going to be back, they let him make their first batch of rebuilding trades. So we're not yeah. sure exactly how this is going to play out. Yeah, I guess it's, it's a matter of who's out there, if they can get someone better. Um, I think you can't want to come back. He's certainly uh, acting like he does. Well, you know, he's, he's a guy, listen, he's a baseball lifer, and baseball was taken from him for 10 years when he was essentially blackballed by the industry. Yes. And and then we got the Buck Showalter question. Yep. You know, uh, you know and... Um, does Buck want to come back and work with Dan? You know, did he bring Buck back? Is there, is there, you know, a better, a better option out there for a manager, maybe a younger manager, to deal with some of the younger players? You know, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of uncertainty still. Well, you, you hit the nail on the head there too, and I think the largest question there is if they've decided that Dan is going to be the man. I don't think it's smart to bring Buck back. It's while they've, while it hasn't gotten ugly publicly. We know that the two of them don't get along particularly well. No. Why would you no. want to have your manager and general manager, why would you want to re-up them for three, two, three, four years together when you know that there's there's not the kind the, – the sense you need, in my opinion, uh, Todd, is you need all the oars going. Winning in the most optimum times is difficult. When things are tough, you need all the oars heading in the same direction. And I haven't had that sense over the last two years that Dan and Buck are on the same page. No, I think if you, if you read the tea leaves, I think I think Buck and, and Buck Showalter's subtle comments. I think I think he's been hand, I think he thinks he's been a little bit handcuffed by this roster. Yeah, I don't think yeah. there's any question about it. And I th I do think though that one thing I'm real tired of is it was cute to begin with, and it made sense when they got Ryan Flaherty. And then they tried with a, another player there. Uh, you know, the bottom line, what we've gotten for the handcuffing of the roster, the Rule 5 thing, to me, that's, that's old and tired. Yeah, I'm yes. in favor of doing it once in a great while when you see a really special talent. But you can't – I mean, Buck, yeah, Buck Showalter had yeah, three guys this yeah. year. Buck Showalter yeah. had three guys this year that he had to keep on. on yeah, the roster. yeah, believe me. Yeah, I mean – He's not, he's not happy about that. No, no. Uh, here's, here's maybe the most complicated question of all. And, and Todd, you've been around long enough to know there's, there's a right way and a wrong way to say things. And I think if Dan Duquette has the chance, he'll usually say them in the wrong way. Um, I thought his question, his answer to the question the other night about Adam, well, is he going to be here or not the rest of the year? And he said... He's going to be here, meaning he's turned down a trade. But then when he was asked, well, is there a chance he'll be here beyond this year? He, you know, there's an opportunity to, to soften the comment by saying, 
Listen, we're all well aware of what Adams meant to this team. He's been a remarkable force at bringing the team back to relevance. But it looks right now we're heading in a, in a different direction. Dan's answer was, well, we uh, can't talk about that really now, but we're signing young we're, – we're moving forward with young players. Yeah, there wasn't, a, there wasn't an, an acknowledgement of what Adams meant to the team. And then Adam comes out and says – you know, publicly, A, I didn't want to platoon in Philadelphia. Right. B, I'm happy to play right field because it probably extend my career. Right. You know, so they could bring some of the younger guys up. You know, he said all the right he said all the right things. Yeah. You know, I, I just yeah. think it's a it's a it's a mixed bag with Adam because for an organization and you and I've been there together through thick and through thin, mostly thin the last uh, 20 years. But for an organization that suddenly has realized the importance of iconic figures like Brooks and Eddie and the importance of bringing them back, it doesn't it seem like you'd be contradicting that by, by jettisoning Adam? You need veteran leadership. Yeah. I, you need some veteran leadership in the clubhouse. Yep. And he, he's, he's going to be the guy. Yep. I mean, there's nearly no one else that's going to be able to carry that torch. I mean, Chris Davis is a better, but he's straight. He's struggling too much to, to, to take on a big leadership role. You know, Adam, Adam's had a good season. We're talking with Todd Karpovich. Todd has taken over the Orioles beat for us for the remainder of this season. It's been a fascinating season. Um, when do you see Todd, if you can use the phrase reading the tea leaves, it seems like Cedric Mullins should be up right about now because Jim Hunter pointed something out last night, and it's something that Buck always warns us about. He says, be careful about judging players in September and in spring training. So I think there is a significance beyond, for most teams, what what August is, to get Cedric Mullins up here now and not wait until September 1st. There's absolutely no reason why this guy is not playing right now. Yeah, This is a guy you need to get an extended look. Look, where are they? They're, they're 40... 43 and a half games out of first place. I mean, it's, it's staggering. I mean, the, what was it? The, the 62 Mets, I think, finished at the end of August. I think they were 54, point, 54, 54 and a half games out of first. God. You know, they're not that far off. Yep. You know, so you really got to gotta change your focus here and start thinking about, you know, hitting, the, getting, hitting spring training, you know, 2019, having some direction and some, and some plan of what you're going to do and how you're going get to get this ship you know, moving back in the right direction. And that's the only way you're going to do that is to evaluate your players. And Mullins is a guy that I think they need to bring up. The interesting guy they got back in the Milwaukee trade, because he's, he's right about the same age, I think he's one year older than Jonathan Scope, is uh, the Orioles must have needed a Jonathan, uh, a Jonathan quotient on their roster. Uh, they, they brought back a veteran player who has had arguably one of the great leadoff years in recent memory, in 19, in 2016, and that's Jonathan VR, uh, who hit 19 home runs, drove in 60, uh, 60 or 70 runs, and stole 62 bases. He hasn't been that player in 17 or in 18, but there's a real opportunity for him. I know he's a free agent at the end of the year, but he doesn't make big, big dollars, uh, significantly less than Jonathan Scope. I think he's got to be a part of this. No, he was, was two for five Thursday. He was three for five last night. Yeah, um, he could play every infield position. Yeah, he, he's that. He's a yeah. He's a guy. And plus, you know, if you brought him over for scope, I mean, you want to have some investment on your return there. So I think he's definitely a guy 
I, th- I think that they maybe could revitalize himself here in Baltimore. And yeah, and I think playing well right now. I mean, maybe putting in a bottle, but yeah, he's, he's been hitting the ball. You know, it's it's interesting also with him, Todd. Uh, you can you can worry about whether he can field it second, short, or third. What position does he, you know, pl- figure out in? But the one position he clearly could figure in on for the Orioles is the leadoff position. Whatever yeah, he's playing the defensively. Yeah, they got you got to they need to got to set the table. They haven't yeah. had. When's the last time they had that? Now, they got to get they, they got to get quicker. Now let me ask you about one other player that would ha- certainly help them be quicker. And that's last year's uh, trade deadline piece that they picked up was Tim Beckham, who went on and arguably had one of the great Augusts in the history of the team. Then he fell flat on his face in September. The defense this year, I think he started something like 35 or 40 games. He's made 15 errors between uh, third and short. I I don't remember him looking this bad at shortstop last year. No, and then I, I well, he had the injury, the groin thing, yeah. and um, he wasn't a natural third baseman. And I guess maybe he's still trying to find his legs at short. But um, you know, he, this guy's got, you know, he's, he's a former number one overall pick. He's got a lot of pedigree behind him. It's just the light has to go on. Um, but I think, I think he could settle in. You know, once he once once he gets more time there, I think I I don't know if they. He says he's still not that the injury's not bothering him. Yeah, but you know, you, you just. He had surgery, so you never know. You yeah, know? it's it's just been frustrating to watch him for the last ten days at shortstop. Oh, the, left, looked, the left side, he's looked terrible, absolutely yeah. terrible. We're talking to Todd Karpovich, press box and pressboxonline.com Orioles beat reporter uh, for the remainder of this season. Uh, Todd, talk about the um, one of the areas that the team gave up an awful lot in was the bullpen, where they traded Zach Britton. Darren O'Day, who really hasn't been able to go to the post the last two seasons, and Brad Brock. But it looks like it might be one of the areas where between Mike Wright, who I know he had a horrible outing last night, but between him, Cody Carroll, and now the newest member of that bullpen, Evan Phillip, maybe, and and then Tanner Scott has looked good at times. Uh, Paul Fry has looked good. Paul Fry has looked good at times. Um... That bullpen, it could be rebuilt rather quickly, couldn't it? Yeah, I, I like the bullpen. I, I, like, I like the Carroll kid too. I think that's a, that's a good. I think he's a good player. He's going to be a contributor. Yeah, I think the bullpen. I think they have depth there. I think they still have, you know they have some guys that can come up and make an impact. They got to get this starting pitching together though. I mean, David Hess with seven runs last night. Yeah, uh, five earned. Yeah, you know, and then night before Cashman. Jeez, what, that was that was seventeen runs. I mean, that's a disaster. Yeah, well, Hess Hess has been especially painful to watch uh, after the first three starts where he was. It looked like, hey, here's a glimmer of hope. Uh, He's given up 13 home runs and 53 and a third innings pitched this year. Not good. Here's the thing too, and with you got to start bringing up these younger guys too because you you think about some of these veterans just just, you know cashing the season. Season's done, and you're going to need some energy. You need guys to play hard. I mean, I don't know what Casher's deal was the other night, but he lasted one and two thirds innings. You know, for a team you play for. So, right. um, you're going to need some young talent, at least at least to play hard every night and not you know not lay down. All right. Well, it certainly figures to be an interesting uh, remainder of the season, Todd. And uh, we thank you for jumping in on board and uh, covering it for us at Press Box. 
Thanks, Dan. I'll see you down the ballpark. All right. I'll see you next homestand. Todd yes, Karpovich. Sir. There you go. Thank you. Todd Karpovich. Uh, your Aberdeen Ironbirds take the field as the star-spangled banners of Aberdeen versus the Staten Island Yankees tomorrow, August 5th at 4.05. U.S. Olympian Kimmy Meisner makes an appearance at Lido's Field at Ripken Stadium. Also witness baseball's first-ever ice performance live at the ballpark. And by the way, that performance, based on Matt Slatus, the GM of the Aberdeen Ironbirds, is going to include a... a a skating, like, sort of straightaway for Kimmy Meisner to go out and skate out the first pitch. Uh, I know she'll probably throw it out, but she's going to skate it out to the pitcher's mound uh, on a portable ice, little ice band there, I'll call it. Also, uh, tickets are starting as low as $5, so visit AberdeenIronbirds.com. And that home series, a six-game series, starts tomorrow at 4.05. Score big at the Green Turtle with our legendary crab dip, juicy burgers, or any of our delicious boardwalk iced teas and lemonades. Bring the whole team and celebrate your latest win in our rent-free party room. Need to raise money for your sports league or team? Our Funds for Friends program has raised over $1 million for local sports organizations. Everyone is a winner at the Turtle. Visit thegreenturtle.com to find your local turtle. Are you looking for a great deal? Maybe you need that perfect, affordable outfit or clothes for growing kids. Or maybe you're looking for that hard-to-find collectible. Visit Goodwill today. Shop with a mission and find everyday low prices on thousands of items, including brand-name clothing, stylish accessories, shoes, and furniture. Come to Goodwill and see what you can find. When you shop at Goodwill, when you donate to Goodwill, you will help someone find a job. To find a store near you, visit give to goodwill.org. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with a 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dine-in orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. Matt, we normally come on here and tell everyone, go listen to Section 336 and just to take our advice to go listen to 336. Instead of us telling you why we're awesome, let's have other people tell you why we're awesome. This person says, definitely a bunch of Oriole fans who just want to be able to buy playoff tickets. Section 336 is the greatest Baltimore Orioles podcast around look forward to listening every week these guys are coconuts and if that's not enough reason to listen they are a great listener if you want orioles talk even during the off season if you're lucky they might even talk about the ravens josh matt and bert are a must listen every week check section 336 out for yourself on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts the latest edition of press box is available now and it's a very special double issue celebrating Ray Lewis's journey to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We spoke to the friends, family members, and former teammates and coaches who knew him best to tell the story of the path to his induction into Canton this summer. Press Box is available for free at over 500 locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, which includes all 52 interviews with those closest to Ray at PressBoxOnline.com. 
This is former Terp AJ Francis just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruin the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor. Never wrestled for PWG. Never wrestled uh, in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on my list. This is your boy, Y2AJ, here to save you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com, on SoundCloud or iTunes. All right, thanks for tuning into the Battle Round today. If you missed uh, portions of the program and you'd like to go back... Um, Brittany and I are going to sit here for the next two hours and listen back to the show to see how we can do it better next week. Okay, She doesn't know that yet, but I'm locking the door, and we're going to listen to this show. Yeah, the, the right phone number would be the answer. Yeah, that's <laughs> rule number one, the right phone number. Uh, seriously, uh, tomorrow I will be sitting in for KZ. Um, I'm in the uh, unestimable position of being on with uh, Sarita Hubbard and Kyle Ottenheimer on the Fantasy and Reality Football Show. We'll have a bunch of football guests that will help you uh, win your league uh, this year or at least help you understand the game of football. It looks like this year. Did you watch any of the Raven game Thursday night? I didn't have a chance. I was okay. working. But looks like they got a new um, emphasis now on head injuries that any play that a guy, it's not helmet-to-helmet any longer, it's any play that the the tackler leads with his head, like bends down to tackle the guy. In other words, they want upright tackling. Mm -hmm. They want to keep the head out of it. That's good. And it's meant to be a protection more even for the defender, the guy who's doing the tackling, than the guy who gets hit. Uh, But they, they call three or four... Uh, unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. They really should rename the penalty, though, and just call it helmet-led contact or something like that. Uh, It's stupid to call it an unsportsmanlike contact. Uh, But I I guarantee you that's going to be the big move this year is uh, calling plays like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely, with all the stuff that's been going on with CTE and everything. It's it's unbelievable. Well, anyway, want to remind you today, I'm not again, I can't remember, I'm sure it'll be on the NFL Network, which I think is 735 on Comcast, uh, 734 on Comcast, I think. Uh, You'll have the um, Hall of Fame induction speeches, and I think that starts around 4 or 5 o'clock today. Uh, And Ray Lewis will be there. And uh, a whole host of uh, Brian Erlacher will be there, Brian Dawkins, and about three or four more. Uh, Jerry Kramer is going in. This is an offensive lineman from back when the Vince Lombardi-led Giants were at the top of the heap for the – not the Vince Lombardi-led Packers were at the top of the heap in the early 60s. Um, I think they won three or four NFL championships from 61 to 65 or 66. Um, Anyway, Jerry Kramer, uh, very interesting that he's going into the Hall of Fame after all these years. So you may want to set your VCR for that so you can hear uh, Ray Lewis's uh, induction speech. Uh, It's sure to be a uh, a rousing speech on a lot of levels. I know a lot of uh, 
Raven fans are out there in Canton. That's pretty exciting, and I know a lot of ex-Raven players are out there to support uh, Ray Lewis. Also, tonight, after the O's game, probably around 11.30, quarter to 12, we'll have the after bird watching. Uh, after Dylan Bundy goes against Mike Miner tonight at uh, Globe Light Ballpark in uh, Dallas, Texas. All right, that does wrap up this edition of the Bat Around. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend, everybody. <laughs>